Welcome to Psyched for Business, helping business leaders understand and apply cutting-edge business psychology principles in the workplace. Hi, and welcome to Psyched for Business. I'm Richard Anderson. Thank you very much for joining me. In today's episode, I'm joined by psychologist Becca Brighty. Becca talks to me all about ADHD. She explains what ADHD is, She talks through her own personal journey with ADHD and the diagnosis, what the benefits, of course, of a diagnosis are, and what can employers do crucially to help neurodivergent employees. I hope you enjoy the episode. Thanks again for listening. Well, Becca Brighty, thank you for joining Psyched for Business. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Richard? Yeah, I'm really well, thanks, Becca. And I really appreciate you giving up the time to do this. I've um, I've followed you quite... um, well, I've, I've seen a lot of your LinkedIn posts over the, the previous weeks. I know that you talk a lot and very passionately about the subjects of ADHD, resilience, neurodiversity generally. So I've been really keen to have this conversation. It's nice to do it in a podcast format mm-hmm. as well. Um, so Becca, I'm going to ask you to introduce yourself, I guess, properly in a second. But I know that you're a business psychologist, you're an ADHD, ADHD coach, you do a lot of work around culture, resilience, Tell me, give me a give me a proper introduction, Becca. Tell me how you got into the position that you are now. So even after eight years of having my own business, the elevator pitch is still about like seven minutes long. <laughs> yeah, it's like cool. you really need a really tall building. Um, but so yeah, so I am a business psychologist, an ADHD confidence and resilience coach. And so my main ethos is about mindset that at the root of most problems, business or all in personal life, it's often a mindset issue Um, and so a lot of the work that I do whether it's about confidence resilience imposter syndrome ADHD is looking at your mindset um, and seeing how you can shift that so then you can shift move towards whatever goal it is that you're wanting to pursue or overcome whatever issues it is that you feel like you're facing. Brilliant. No, that well, that was perfect. That wasn't seven minutes. It was really That's brief. Enough. Really brief, really interesting. <laughs> Good stuff. So um, I know that we're going to probably focus the majority of this conversation, Becca, on ADHD, as we as we talked about before. Um, and I know that this is something that you're incredibly passionate about, I guess, from a personal perspective mm-hmm. as well. So I'd be keen to learn, I guess, maybe let's start with a bit of a blank slate, because we're hearing more and more about ADHD, and I'll, I'll come to why I hear about it in a, in a few minutes' time. But I'm certainly seeing it more and more on LinkedIn. I think it was only yesterday Stephen Bartlett had uh, announced that he'd been diagnosed with uh, ADHD, which I thought was really interesting. We're learning more and more about people that are being diagnosed with this. We're learning more about neurodiversity. But with a specific lens looking at ADHD, what do we mean firstly by ADHD? And I wouldn't, you know, I'd be interested if you'd be happy to talk through a little bit of your own personal journey with that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so ADHD um, means, um, it stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Um, so already I'm like, that's a really mean title for a condition, um, yeah. to have the word deficit and disorder within mm. one within one title like it's already given off a negative negative connotations yeah. i don't know of any other disorders that have <laughs> two negative mm. words within the title of the disorder but um basically it's a neurodevelopmental condition so what it means is that you it, from birth your brain um developed in a slightly different way to neurotypical people okay. um and then there's different types of adhd so there's um, hyperactive ADHD, 
inattentive ADHD and then combined. So inattentive ADHD, and that's the kind that I have, um, that's where people are more, that's the people who can't really concentrate and they get easily distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, they lose focus easily. They have, they go into the emails and they're like, oh, what, what, why, are, yeah. why am I in here? The hyperactive is probably more of what you stereotype people might think of of people with ADHD. So though they're more like the people with the fidget toys and Okay. It's quite difficult to keep still and always need to be doing lots of different things. And then combined as we have both in the inattentive symptoms and the hyperactivity symptoms. Brilliant. Make, makes perfect sense. Um, um, what, what made you learn about this particular subject? Um, so I have a friend um, called Michelle Minikin mm-hmm. um, and she is a business psychologist and it's funny because the first time I ever met her we connected through LinkedIn and then I met her and we just got on really well straight away. Yeah. She's lovely um, Michelle, I've met her a few times yeah. You've met Michelle, yeah she's lovely. She's and so I saw she'd done an, uh, the, there was an article in I think it was the Sunday, the Daily Mail on Sunday or something about when mm. it's not early onset menopause it's actually adult ADHD and okay. I read this article and I was like oh it's like my life basically um so that like piqued my interest and then I like spoke to her about it and like I'd done some quizzes online she was like well you never know and I wonder now like did she actually know because you kind of get this like radar once you know and so that would kind of piqued my interest then also around that time I spoke to a company in the northeast called Celebrate Difference who help people with access to work applications and you can have access to work which is a pot of money from the government to help people with different disabilities I was applying for it because I've got a back problem um, which costs me a lot of money like sit stand mm. desk and chair and I had to buy a new car and sometimes like taxis and stuff like that I got told by my sister oh there's this pot of money that the government have to be able to help you to work more because I can only mm-hmm. work a certain amount of time at a desk so I was like oh great like if I can get some help with that so I spoke to them I was telling them all the different coping mechanisms I had because of what I thought was for my back they were like mm, a lot of these things you're describing these are like things we see a lot in our clients with ADHD and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah I've wondered about that um so that was part of it and I started listening to this podcast called um is it my ADHD? And it's this, it's really, really good. And it's this girl and she found out she was had ADHD as an adult and she interviews different people about different topics. So it's like ADHD and education, ADHD as parent, ADHD as a business owner. And every okay. episode I would listen to was like, yeah. oh, it's like my life. It's like my life. It's like my life. And then in true ADHD fashion, I like hyper-focused on researching about it and just became completely ob- obsessed, like mm. couldn't do to couldn't do anything else. Um, but it was quite it's quite good because of my job as a business psychologist. I then I can make an interest. So if I even my only interest really is people. Yeah. But but being a self-employed business psychologist, I can then make that interest into a product. Mm-hmm. So I then created neurodiversity at work workshops. So then I could really immerse myself in it because I had a purpose, I had a reason why I was doing it. It wasn't just for me. Yeah. So I learned loads about it for that. Um, but still didn't know, do I have it or not? And so then I was like, tried to get diagnosis privately because I've got Bupa Healthcare, but they don't let you do it through Bupa because it's okay. not something that's curable. So then I contact the doctors and they're like, yeah, yeah, you can go on the waiting list like two to seven years. Like at that point, I can you imagine how much I would know if I was kept researching at the rate yeah. I was. So then I just got a private diagnosis. Brilliant. And are you pleased you did? Oh my goodness. It's like the best thing that I've ever done really? like it completely it completely completely changed my life so like if 
I've gone through my whole life feeling like I'm a bit different. Mm -hmm. But like I used to always say to my mum, um, and this sounds extreme, but I used to say I want to go to a mental institution for a holiday just so I don't have to, so I can like not pretend to be normal for a few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know what that was. I didn't know why I felt like that. I just felt like I was pretending to be normal okay. and whatever normal means. Yeah, yeah. And I've said that to her so many times. I said it to other people. And then so to find out what that feeling was and to be like, yeah, you're not normal. You're not typical. Mm. You're normal within a, a section of people are just like you. And the reason yeah. you find that life is more challenging is because of this, this deficit. And it's like the if you can change your environment then it will be much less difficult. Yeah, yeah. And if you can just be self-compassionate to yourself and if you can understand why certain things are challenging and get people to help you with them or automate different things or mm. not put yourself in these situations, then you can be much happier, much more productive. I used to have really bad anxiety. I've not really had anxiety since I got my diagnosis. Interesting, okay. Like for a lot of years, since I was 17, I got diagnosed with generalised anxiety disorder mm. when I was 17. And then on and off since then, yeah. had really bad periods, been on different medications for anxiety. And then pretty much since my diagnosis, I've not had anxiety. Yes. Um, and I think it's that it wasn't anxiety, it was overwhelm. I think at one period when it was really like bad and fear, I had like a lot of fear. I think that was when I was 17, probably till 18. But after that, I think it was overwhelm. I think it was sensory okay. overload yeah. and overwhelm. And so by changing my environment, I don't have that anymore. And anyone who's ever experienced anxiety, I don't know if you ever have. Yes, I have. I, yeah, I, I was. I, everything that you're saying, or a lot of what you're saying is resonating, I have to say. But go on, yeah. So anyone who's ever experienced anxiety, if, if I said to you, there's something that you can find out about and you can make changes to your life and you won't have to experience anxiety anymore, mm. would you think that was a good thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So even that, even that one thing yeah. of not like anxiety is hor like horrific. I've had physical, mm. like my back problem was horrendous pain. Like I was on morphine and for years I was in agony, but I would take that any day over anxiety. Yeah. So to have find out something that means I don't experience that anymore, just that one thing, never mind all the other things that have happened, yeah. um, how much better I understand myself, how I've managed to change the way I work, how I differently, I parent differently. Just the one thing of the anxiety, that in itself is completely yeah. worth it. Well, it's really interesting because I think that's that's one of the things that hasn't confused me, but I've, I've probably wanted further clarity around. You've just answered it perfectly, is what are the benefits to getting a diagnosis? And I'm not trivialising it by any means, but there's been a long period of time, probably I reckon the last four or five years where I've had colleagues say to me, you've definitely got ADHD. There's, there's no question you've got ADHD. And I've, I mean, my wife even says it, you know, close colleagues who I've worked with for a long time. Um, and they'll, they'll say it a little bit tongue in cheek. And it, it, it's not, to, um, again, it's not to trivialize it. It's just to say, look, you've definitely got ADHD. And I've thought in the past about getting a diagnosis for ADHD, but, but I was never sure about what would be the benefit to me personally, because I feel like, I do feel like I've, I've often been different with a lot of things. I've, I've got um, very stressed and very anxious throughout several occasions, you know, in, in my entire, you know, adult and I guess child life. Um, but it was just, okay, well, for, for me, I see a lot of the attributes that might, you know, 
pertain to ADHD or whatever that I have as, as strengths as well as um, deficiencies or, or limitations or whatever it might be. So I think it's a it's a really interesting one, um, but I can definitely see the benefit in in knowing if you if you do have ADHD um, based on what you've just said there. But just to touch on the point that I've just made there, so I don't know you and I have talked about this before is about people in in business, people in life who have ADHD, but it can't be viewed as a negative. It it it, it this is we're talking here about a real strength for a lot of people, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think for the individual, it's a challenge. And like I think in yeah. life, it's a massive challenge having ADHD. And it is like, I don't see myself as disabled, but it is classed as a disability. Okay. But so it's not to trivialize the experience of having ADHD and say mm. like, oh, this whole superpower narrative and stuff. But I believe it can be a superpower within the world of business or within the world of work. If you yeah. can harness it and if you can like you just mentioned then you see a lot of the stuff that you would associate with ADHD you think they're your strengths mm. um and then I think that the strengths based approach for ADHD is really really powerful and so I think that there's within the world and until two years ago I would have probably thought of it that ADHD was a bad thing and that you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't want to hire someone with ADHD because the one the, I don't know, they won't be able to concentrate or they'll be wanting to bungee jump off the roof or like they'll be talking to way too much or whatever, that whatever the stereotype is. I would have probably like thought that. Um, I don't even know if I've ever in my life had a conversation about ADHD before two years ago. Wow. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but absolutely, once you can get rid of because one of the things that's holding people with ADHD back is they're spending so much energy on their weaknesses Mm. so once you know that's one of the things about the diagnosis is that once you know you've got it and you understand like you've got weaknesses that but that's fine because you've also got these amazing strengths yeah there's something called um a spiky profile I'm not sure if you've come across it so I would like you to explain it if you if you will yeah yeah, so for um, neurotypical people will have strengths and they'll have weaknesses, um, but they will, it's difficult to describe it on audio, but mm. they'll have, they'll be, have things that they're good at, say, at a plus 10 and things that they're bad at, at like a, a minus 10. Whereas people, neurodivergent people with a spiky profile will have things that they're amazing at, at say, plus 100, mm. and things that they're really, really terrible at, at minus 100. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the strengths are massively amplified, but then the weaknesses are massively amplified. Mm. So it's it's like my there was no one else I knew at school whose GCSE results ranged from A stars to U. Everyone else had like mm. either like I don't know A's to C's or A stars and B's. It was all around the same. It wasn't like amazing in some subjects and terrible mm-hmm. in other subjects. And so that's the thing. Like if you don't know why why you like that, and you're just spending so much energy on like trying to get those the minus a hundred up to minus fifty, yeah. you don't have much energy to make the hundred up to a hundred two hundred. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the great things as well about finding out is like, yeah, I'm really bad at supermarket shopping, but Tesco online exists. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I'm really bad at like managing my email, but I've got a virtual assistant. Yes. So it's like now I can use all that energy I was wasting on trying to get my minus hundreds up to a minus 50 
on taking that 100 to a 200. Yeah, yeah. It's much more fun and much yeah. less tiring. Clearly your strengths. Yeah. That's, that's the main, like, that's one of the yeah. main things for ADHD is. Yeah. People in general, that's one of my, that's always been one of my approaches for coaching is, like, yes, some of your weaknesses you probably need to tweak a bit, but if you play to your strengths, you're just going to be so much more successful. Absolutely. And, and, and how important would you say, because, I mean, we're talking about, being diagnosed with ADHD and it's it's been enlightening for you and it's enlightening for probably the vast majority of people to get a diagnosis. It makes sense, you know, suddenly that makes sense. But what about people that you work with? Is it worthwhile? I mean, how does it, genuinely, I don't know, how does this typically work? Do people who are diagnosed with ADHD, uh, do, they, do they tell the, they typically tell the business, do they tell their close colleagues, you know, this is a, a condition or technically a disorder that, that, that I've got, that I've been diagnosed with, cut me a bit of slack here, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm not. What, what normally happens in those instances? So it really depends on the business that they work for. Okay. So this is a massive, massive thing for a lot of people, like finding out my whole, like, it can be a really positive thing but it also can be like for a lot of people a really negative thing mm. like so for me I'd had um prior to my finding out about 18 months beforehand I'd, or maybe a year I'd had a really bad burnout and as a result of that I'd done a lot of work on like self-awareness and mindset and I'd created a resilience model um and I'd done a lot of work on like self-acceptance so then when I got the diagnosis it wasn't this massive awful thing it was still really like a lot to deal with but it was like, oh, okay, like, that makes sense. Yeah. For some people, it's like life, like at first blows their whole life up. Yeah, yeah. So to get that and then the next day go into your work and be like, okay, so I've got ADHD and this is what it is and these are my strengths and blah, mm. blah, blah, Like yeah. that's a lot. It also depends on the organization. So one of the questions I often get asked is like, what can businesses do to help neurodivergent employees? Yeah. That's a great question, yeah. And one of the the thing I would say is the number one best thing you can do is to educate your workforce on what okay. neurodivergence actually is. Because if you're if you're a person who's just been diagnosed with something and you know that everyone thinks it's this thing that like crazy people who, like I said, want to jump off buildings, can't mm. stop talking. If you think everyone's got that perception of ADHD and then you get told you've got it, are you really going to go in and say, oh, I've got this thing that everyone thinks is terrible? Yeah. Probably not. But if you've had education on this is what ADHD is, this is the challenges it poses for people, this is the challenges it'll pose for you if you're working with someone, but these are the strengths. Yeah. Um, It's a very different... Yeah. conversation like saying like oh it's not that people are lazy or whatever it is that people might be perceiving about this person mm-hmm. and then when they get told oh they've got ADHD oh well it makes sense why they're lazy then it's like no it's not lazy it's a dopamine deficiency yeah, yeah. so once you understand it like on once you educate your workforce on like the science of it it's just a different it's a completely different thing for that person who's been diagnosed to go and disclose because they're disclosing it to people who understand, okay, this is like a brain chemistry thing. It's not a choice. Yeah. It's not a phrase. It's like a, a real thing that we all know about. And how can we help you? Yes. And I know that we, I, I'm, I'm guessing here, Becca, and jump in, you know, if I say anything that you disagree with, but I, but I guess we're getting better generally at educating people across the board with things like neurodiversity. And I only say that because I know more about it and I haven't, well, I've researched a little bit on occasion, but... I feel like I'm much more educated generally from 
places like LinkedIn and mm-hmm. kind of anecdotally and speaking to businesses and kind of how they're approaching these things. Obviously, we we specialize in assessment and reasonable adjustments and accommodating assessments for people with um, neurodevelopmental um, kind of conditions, all of that sort of stuff. But I would imagine, although we're getting better, we're still quite far away in terms of being able to educate people en masse with these things. Is that a fair comment? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. I think me and you might live in like a bit of a bubble mm. in terms of the people. Yeah. So you work with business, you work with psychologists, absolutely. I work with psychologists and coaches and the type of businesses who come to me, I want who genuinely want to learn mm. and want to support people. So I don't know if I, I definitely think things are improving though. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. completely agree with that. Um, but well, we maybe skew with the, my LinkedIn connections, which are in the majority psychologists and coaches and people like that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think I think like it's massively, massively improved. But I also think it's really difficult with invisible conditions to understand. Yeah. So it's like even if you get told something, it's like I don't. I genuinely like even for me myself, I understand it but I still don't understand sometimes why I can't like, I'll go, I'll go somewhere and I can't get out the car. I'm just like paralyzed. It's like if I'm really stressed or something. And even though I experienced that and I know all the reason going into a thing and saying, sorry, I'm 15 minutes late. I could not get out of the car. Even for me, like, I'm like, egg, like why, like why, why why are you literally stuck in the car? Um, So I think even like the most open-minded person, it's a challenge to understand something that you can't see. Of course. And I think that we have to be, as as neurodivergent people, I think that the, there's sometimes this bit of a narrative of like neurodivergent versus neurotypical. Mm. But it's really hard thing to understand if you've never experienced anything yeah, like that. If you're a person who's never experienced depression or anxiety or any form of neurodivergence, trying to understand these types of things is really hard. So with all the best will in the world it can you can still make mistakes so i think it's just like everyone's learning together kind of thing of course and i would imagine it probably and again jumping if i'm wrong here it manifests maybe differently for certain people so you talked about the um the the the, the combined stuff earlier on but i'm i'm thinking um for myself and by the way i don't know whether i've got adhd like i say i mean other people diagnose me all the time i don't know possibly um but but I think for me, what frightens the life out of me is my business gets grows a little bit and I get busier every day is keeping on top of things in terms of responses to emails and diary management and those types of things. This might sound crazy, but I use a diary in Outlook, as I would imagine most people do, or Gmail or whatever, but I use an Outlook version. I get reminders from that diary that pop up and they don't process in my brain. So I've got to set two additional um, notifications. I've got one that's native in Slack, which has been it's been a bit of a revelation because a minute before a meeting, it pops up at the bottom. So, like, oh yeah, that's where I need to be. But the other one is the mobile phone, and and the amount that I put a post on LinkedIn. I think you might have even liked it um, a couple of months. Well, longer than that. About, I mean, I must have, and it must drive people nuts in the office. Um, 10, 12 alarms going off every single day and reminders to do things. But I would imagine if I did have ADHD. That's probably how it manifests in me is like forgetfulness, concentration, not finishing. I mean, I did the bell when I was kind of non-complete a finisher, you know, the the, the Sten 1 or Sten 10 or whatever. The, the, you mm-hmm. know, so. Anyway, sorry, I've gone off on a bit of a tangent there, but that's probably how it 
it manifests in me. Whereas for some other people, I guess it's it's different. And mm-hmm. where I'm going with this is we probably need to educate across across the board because it might not just be okay. These are the symptoms, or this is how it manifests in in people generally, because it might be very different. Yeah, I guess it's like saying, how does a neurotypical person act? Mm. It's like all it's it's a it's a white if it's a type of brain wiring that means that in certain situations you act differently to neurotypical people or you find certain things more challenging but you can't there's not just going to be a standard ADHD Mm. person just like there's not going to be a standard neurotypical person or a standard autistic person we're all just people different experiences different wiring different upbringings um and so there's there's typical challenges and there's um the executive function so that's i've not found a more eloquent way of describing this but your executive function is your brain the bit of your bits of your brain and the connections with your brain that make you do complex things mm. um and for people with adhd they have an up to 30 percent delay in their executive functions interesting so your executive yeah. functions are activating so um that's like making like doing stuff responding to stuff um focus it's quite self-explanatory focusing on things yeah. energy so managing your energy having energy using the right amount of energy not using too much not using too little um managing your emotions um memory so that's working memory so you'll find a lot of people with adhd can tell you about a holiday that they went on 20 years ago and a person that they met in a bar and what that person wedding day was like because i had the minced conversation mm. with but they can't tell you either in the emails or what they brought in their bag for their lunch, which is, so it's a different type of memory. And then taking action. Um, So, um, and monitoring yourself when you're doing something. So it's about like actually making yourself doing stuff, but also that challenge of getting out of something. So sometimes for me, if I'm really into something, having to stop, even to do something else I like, is really difficult. Yeah, of course. Um, and so on a night time when I've been working, especially if it's something I've been really enjoying and I've really got into, I find it really difficult to go like back into family, mom, yeah, wife yeah. mode. Um, so you've got a a delay. So if you've got ADHD, you've got a delay across those areas. Yeah. So, but how that manifests and how it shows up will be different for everyone. Of course. Another thing about people with ADHD is they have interest-based wiring, whereas um, yeah. neurotypical people have important... You're laughing, is this you? A little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, so interest-based wiring is basically if you are neurotypical, do you just do something because it's important, you understand the consequences of doing it or not doing it. If you are have ADHD, you need something to be interesting or novel or you need to be fearful of the the consequences of not doing it it, for a reason so emotions are an interest um and so again that'll show up differently now we're all going to have different interests and we're all going to have different things that motivate us so like i used to have be really hyper focused on certain things and always try really hard but the interest for me was an interest in not failing so it wasn't necessarily the topic for me i had this like thing where i couldn't Fail and didn't ever want to get yeah, negative feedback. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. so that made whatever, even if it was really boring, it'd be like, no, no, I need to do well at this because yeah. I don't want to fail. So fear can also be fear can be interesting, emotions can be interesting, but it's that the difference between just doing something because it's important or doing something because it's interesting. 
Very, very interesting. So I'm just thinking of a, a recent project that I've I've done a bit of work on. And typically, Becca, my job, but I, I kind of, if you want, I'm the founder of the company, I run the company, whatever. Um, but normally I get involved in the new exciting projects, the new exciting tech functionality, new businesses, new clients, partnerships, those sorts of things. Generally speaking, in delivery, so once we get clients on board, it's with the operations team and the client success team and all that sort of stuff. And um, if we ever have any issues, um, and it might be a bug in the system or, or something that's causing a delay or a lag or a problem with people, automatically, even though I find that that sort of thing bores the life out of me, mm-hmm. it's the fear of failure and the fear of, and I'll I'll drop everything I'm doing to, to, to jump on that. It's just, so what you're saying is really resonating, so it's... Um, it's really interesting stuff. Um, okay, so ju- just w- what I'm keen to get into, and I'm, I'm very keen for you to, um, to to kind of talk about the work that you typically do, Becca. But before that, how do we how do we continue, or how do we get better at educating people about this? Because as you say, it's still not brilliant. It's better, but it's still not brilliant. There's still a lot more that we need to do. I know there's people like yourself and Michelle and other people in, in my kind of local network. And obviously now that we've got people like Stephen Bartlett coming out and saying that he's being diagnosed with ADHD. Um, so LinkedIn's probably one thing, screaming and shouting about it from the rooftops. How else do we, yeah, how do we get better at this? Um, so I think it's just about being interested. So like, I think like a lot of the people I coach, when anyone in their business comes to them and says, oh, I was reading about ADHD, like they're so touched. Mm. Um, or I listened to a podcast on ADHD and I wanted to ask you this question they're like oh my goodness like this person is showing an interest in this this thing that's a massive part of my life Um, and that means so much to people so like one of the great things about being diagnosed is you find your tribe so you find the other ADHDers and that's amazing but another thing is really amazing is ADHD allies so the neurotypical people who are genuinely care you just like it, it's really really nice so I think people just having a genuine interest and wanting to know about it mm-hmm. I think I do think businesses can play in a make like such a big role in it so I'm an ADHD coach but in a day the maximum people I'll coach is three people okay um for my own energy um and to make sure I can give them the best that I've got I could go to a so I'm speaking at a um a recruitment event in a few weeks and there's going to be 40 HR people there. Okay. If I'd spend that half an hour teaching those 40 HR people about neurodiversity and about ADHD, they can then go back to their business and they can then disseminate that information and make changes in the business to help all those people. Yeah. So it's like that. I think I kind of think of it as like that teacher man to fish thing. So course, I think like yeah. businesses are in an amazing position to make a like to make a change for neurodivergent people so a lot of people who found businesses it is because they're really passionate about that thing Mm. and they want to make a difference but I don't necessarily know if businesses think about how much difference you can make to a person's life to a neurodivergent person's life by making small changes by being interested in them yes so I from my, did it myself because I'm like luckily trained as a business psychologist and a coach. But I've also had coaching, but I could change the way I worked. And that was kind of like the starting point for me for changing my whole life because it's like, oh, I've got my shit together at work now. Yeah, I don't yeah. feel like a failure at work. I'm not using up loads of energy at work. So I feel more confident in the rest of my life. Yeah. So businesses have an opportunity 
to genuinely change people's lives by just getting people, well, not just, but by getting people like me to come in and talk to the workforce yeah. for reading stuff, from being, from just showing a genuine interest. And everything that you do, if, if all businesses were designed to cater for neurodivergent people, mm-hmm. everyone in the business would be more productive. Yeah, There's nothing you do for a neurodivergent person that wouldn't benefit everybody. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, the, the education piece is really important, but I think a great place to start is within businesses because you can they can have such a big impact. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So when you talk about being an ADHD, sorry, an ADHD coach, you're coaching the businesses about ADHD rather than the individuals with ADHD. Is that so? I coach, but I do both. You do both. So I coach people with ADHD. Okay. Um, to help them with managing their ADHD in work but then that obviously hasn't a wider impact I'm a workplace ADHD coach basically but then I also run um, workshops for managers to help them to support ADHDers and then I run like um, just knowledge sharing workshops which is where anyone comes and their whole business might come and they all want to learn about neurodiversity so that all the teams um, can understand it because it's not just like, oh, we need to support the ADHD. It's like the ADHD is probably doing stuff that they're not aware of that's quite irritating for the other people. Yeah. So both the, the ADHD and the non ADHDers can understand each other better. Okay. Then all teams are going to thrive more. Yeah. And like a lot of conflict comes from, from things like, so as a lot of people with ADHD are people pleasers, but that then builds resentment. So if you're in an organisation and you're people pleasing, people pleasing, people pleasing, but then you're not getting it back, that builds resentment. But then if you're not expressing your needs, which a lot, which most ADHD is that I know are really bad at, um, yeah. then the other person's like, but you've never told me and now you're kicking off with me. Of course. So it, it benefits the teams as well. Um, so, yeah, so it's like all different levels in the business that are help people. So help the individuals and help the HR people and help the knowledge sharing in general and help the, the managers as well. So you could theoretically be a one-stop shop for all all of these types of things with ADHD for for, for businesses, for staff, management. Well, that is so funny. You should mention that. <laughs> so ADHD Impact, my my new venture. That's the the purpose of that business. Okay. I'm not going to do it alone. Yeah. Um, but um, the point of ADHD Impact is to be a one-stop solution for helping ADHD is smash it in the workplace and in business. So I've got ADHD impact for business and I've got ADHD impact for entrepreneurs. And the point of that is there's so many problems that people come across in the workplace that can quite easily be solved, but it needs to be through an ADHD lens. Yeah. So for me personally, I would never, I've gone on so many, so I used to have a startup, I've gone on so many like marketing programs Mm. and make this work and do this and I'll be so I'll be so excited on the day I've done it and then I'll be like right, I'm gonna do this and then like for like three days I feel like I'm really consistent and then I forget about it and yeah. then I'm, a month later I'm like oh I'm so rubbish I should, I should have kept kept doing that so now I'll only ever do things like for my business that are for specifically for ADHD is brilliant because I know if something's not designed with the ADHD and brain in mind it won't work for me there isn't really that service that exists for a lot of things. Yeah. So, for example, a lot of people who I coach tell me they really like find networking difficult, as in not just what we think of as networking, but like conferences or mm-hmm. um, big functions at their work. 
So I want to work with a networking expert to create a course on networking for ADHDers. Nice. Or public speaking, as in like standing up and doing presentations. That's something that a lot of people tell me that they find hard. But mm-hmm. it's not just doing a presentation. It's speaking at a meeting, speaking out at a meeting or whatever. So I'm going to work with a public speaking expert to create public speaking for ADHDers. And so what I want ADHD Impact to be is at the moment, it's just the courses that I've got. So the things I've already told you about, like the coaching, the yeah, education yeah. for managers, the education for organizations. But what I want it to be is if you have a problem at work and you've got ADHD, you know where to go. Because at the moment, you just go to the internet and it's like, Google has returned 7 million articles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I have ADHD, so I have a real problem with filtering yeah, information because I've got an executive dysfunction problem and you're mm-hmm. giving me 7 million articles. <laughs> I just want it to be a place where people can come and they can say, this is my issue. And then there will be something there that will help them with that. Brilliant. Well, it sounds really exciting. So um, as and when people want to get in touch with you to talk about that in a little more detail, is there any way that they can do that? What's your website? Um, so it's ADHDimpact.com yeah. for the website. We'll and then it all in the, uh, in the blog as part of this. Yeah, and then I'm on the, um, you can either email me at becca at adhdimpact.com or contact, or get in touch with me on LinkedIn, which is just Becca Brighty. And I'm the only, as far as I'm aware, I'm the only Becca Brighty. The only Becca Brighty. Brilliant. It's quite a unique name, which is quite handy. It is. It is. No, it is handy. Absolutely. Well, I've listen, I've, I've found that really, really interesting. I know that we've spoken about it previously, but I've, I've learned so much in the last half an hour or so. So thanks ever so much for taking the time to, educate both me and and the audience and um okay, thanks i really appreciate it okay thanks richard all the best bye for bye. Now. bye thanks for listening to psych for business for show notes resources and more visit evolveassess.com bye.